0: Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC Podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and miniseries. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the MLEPC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. Well, for the past several months, we have been going through the Gospel of John here at MLEPC, and today is the second to last chapter, uh, the, the glorious, uh, I, I keep, I'm from the South, and I keep hearing the great getting up morning, <laughs> that's how we think of it, uh, but this is the, the, the good news of the Gospel of John, verses 1 through 10. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead and then the disciples went back to where they were staying. And now turning over to Philippians 2, the beautiful Christ hymn that Paul includes as an encouragement to the Philippians. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That, that in, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It was very dark on that first Easter morning. It was dark because the sun hadn't risen and it was dark because Jesus had been in the tomb for three days. There were, as, as Mary came up to the tomb, all she could remember was the sight of Jesus being taken down from that cross. She had been there to the very end. Mary Magdalene, the one who had, had followed Jesus, had supported his ministry, who had, who had honored him with everything that she had, Now she was coming to honor him with spices and oils to anoint his body. They had not been able to complete the burial process before the Sabbath fell. And so now she is there, she and other women gathering together to to do the final act of sacrifice for their dead Savior. It was a dark morning, a despairing morning. Everyone thought that Jesus was dead was dead and not rising again. Jesus had promised, but they just somehow could not believe. We can look at that in hindsight and go, what? You know, come on, Jesus told you he'd rise on the third day. But how would you feel in the middle of that moment? The grave is awfully final. And so, in that darkness, Mary goes to the tomb And she makes an incredible discovery and goes and and grabs John and, and Peter and they come back. And as we watch what happens that morning, we see those three people completely transformed from absolute brokenness. Their world was broken, they were broken, their hope was broken. We see them move from brokenness to belief to being a blessing to others. The transformation of these three people is one of the most incredible evidences we have for the fact of the resurrection. They did not make this up. They couldn't have. They were in such deep despair. They were completely broken. But God showed them the truth so that they could believe, and then he sent them out. Brokenness to belief to blessing. As we think about Mary coming to anoint the, the, the body of Jesus Christ, she we don't know much about Mary. The the church tradition has her as a prostitute, but she, she that the Bible doesn't say that. It just says that Jesus had healed her from seven demons. She was a very wealthy person and she was one of the main sponsors of his ministry. And here she comes with very expensive anointing oils and spices but not expecting anything but a body. Can you imagine her surprise then, that, that moment when she gets to the tomb and realizes that the stone wasn't in front of the tomb anymore. She and the other women had, had come expecting, they weren't sure how they were going to move the stone, but they figured they would figure it out when they got there. But Jesus Christ did not leave that stone in place. All she saw was the stone moved away, and she thought the grave robbers have come. Her expectation was not he's risen. Her expectation was they've stolen him. What has happened? And so she immediately runs for help. She is still in darkness, even as the sun is rising. So she goes, and she gets John and Peter. John and Peter take off running. Of course, John writes that he won the race. <laughs> As Chris Buddha said this morning, you know, guys, it might be the first Easter morning, but guys are still competitive. <laughs> John is humble enough not to name himself. He always calls himself the disciple Jesus loved. But he is competitive enough to make sure that you know that he won the race. John is, is the younger of the two. Peter is probably much older than him. So, of course, he, John was faster But John is also more thoughtful. I think he was more thoughtful all along, uh, long before he wrote the Gospel of John. Peter is the impetuous one. So Peter might be slow to the race, but he is fast to run into that tomb. And he runs in and he sees the grave clothes. He sees the grave clothes lying there like there should still be a body in it, but the body is not there. What is it about these grave clothes that were so striking to them? The grave clothes, if the grave had been robbed, would not be there. Would you pause to unwrap a body to take the body away? If you think about a grave robber, that's not how they would do it. They would just take it and run. Even when we think about Lazarus being raised from the dead, where Lazarus comes out of the tomb still wrapped up, this is um, Luke eleven forty four. The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face, face wrapped with a cloth. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, his, the grave clothes came out with him. But now John and Peter walk in that tomb, and they see that the grave clothes are still there, just as they had been wrapped around Jesus. They saw John says, they saw and believed. Suddenly, they go from their broken despair, thinking this grave had been robbed, to to seeing that something miraculous had just happened. John makes it clear that they still didn't get it. They believed. They believed that some miracle had happened, but they still didn't understand how it all fit together. It would be later that they would be able to unpack how Scripture came together. John so clearly articulates that Jesus was the sacrificed lamb, the Passover lamb, the one whose blood was over us so that we might be saved, so that the angel of death would pass over us as well. It was Jesus who was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy and the hope for the future. But in this moment, they didn't see that. They only knew that a miracle had happened. As as John and Peter leave, it's it's funny, they they just go home. (laughs) It's like, wow, something cool happened. Don't get it. I need breakfast. So they, they turn around and they go back to their homes, but Mary still wants to stay there. She's still struggling. She doesn't understand what's going on, and she's crying. And she looks in again, and she sees Two angels sitting there, one at the head and one at the foot. And they say, why are you crying? And of course, she's just consumed like she can't even comprehend that there are angels standing in front of her. It's this incredible miracle and she's overwhelmed with the emotion of it all. She is still in the middle of the brokenness. She must have heard a sound or something behind her, and she turns around and sees someone standing there, but in her tears, and, and just uh, her as upset as she was, she couldn't even see clearly. And the person talking to her says, why are you crying? She thinks he's the gardener and immediately says, where have you taken him? Tell me, and I will go and get him. Mary is faithful, but she's not thinking clearly. How is she supposed to get the body of a grown man and take him someplace? She doesn't even know, and she is so upset she cannot even see who's standing in front of her. And he looks at her, and he says, "Mary." In that one word, he actually calls her Miriam. It's like a—it's the, the the more homey version of her name, the Hebrew version, Miriam. And that breaks through. He doesn't say, it's me. He says, I know you. And he calls her by name. Jesus speaks through that. And immediately, the scales drop from her eyes. She realizes who's standing in front of her. And she cries out her pet name for him, Rabboni, my teacher. And suddenly, she is full of belief. She suddenly realizes that Jesus is alive and he's standing in front of her. She goes from complete brokenness and despair to belief in an instant at the, at, at the one word of her name. Jesus breaks through. She, she goes to, to, to hold on to him. She wants to cling to him. And Jesus is like, I, I have something more for you to do. Now you've seen me, go and tell my disciples. Go and tell them. I love the fact that the first person that got to preach the risen Christ was a woman. That Jesus Christ got to send her. She's called in in church tradition, apostola, apostolorum, the, the apostle to the apostles. She got to be the one to go and tell the good news that Jesus wasn't just miraculously vaporized. He was there in person and he was real. It it, it says um, in John 17, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Can you imagine that news? People still thought she was nuts. If you remember, women were not supposed to be reliable witnesses at this time. That You couldn't even have a woman testify in court unless a guy testified alongside her. Women were not reliable witnesses, at least according to, to the culture of that day. One uh, anti-Christian writer in the second century said the whole thing was made up by a bunch of hysterical women. Why would you rely on the witness of a woman? Because it's true. Because it is a woman who saw Jesus for the first time. That is not something a human would make up. But that is the way God elevates the low to, to raise them up, to bless them, to be a blessing. Mary goes from brokenness to belief, looking at Jesus Christ, and then he sends her to be a blessing to her brothers and sisters who were gathered together. In Luke, on the road to Emmaus, the, the disciples, there's two disciples walking along trying to talk through and process everything that happened that day, and this man shows up alongside them. And he's, he says, what happened? And they tell him, what, what like how could you not know what just happened in Jerusalem? And they, they say their interpretation of what Mary says is interesting. They're like, our women came to us and told us a strange tale, that, that, that the tomb was empty, but you could tell that they still didn't understand. They still didn't truly believe what Jesus, that, that Jesus was alive, that he had risen from the dead, even though Jesus had told them over and over and over. Jesus tells them three times in the Gospel of Matthew, three times in Mark, four times in Luke, over and over in John. I mean, here's what he said in Matthew 16. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day he would be raised. Jesus told them what was happening but in their blindness and their, their thinking, they couldn't see beyond that. Their thinking was broken. But Jesus, on that road to Emmaus, Jesus, in the garden with Mary, broke through and woke them up to belief that it is true, that it is real. After Mary came and told them the good news that she has seen the Lord, Then, even though the disciples were behind locked doors, Jesus walked into the room. Jesus himself in the flesh with nail-scarred hands walks through locked doors and says, peace be with you. You can imagine why he had to say that because they were probably quaking in their boots when they saw him. Like, was it a ghost? Was it real? But Jesus walked in and said, peace be with you. He walked through their brokenness, the brokenness that was still causing fear in their hearts. And as they saw him, they believed. And then God sent them to be a blessing as well. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Jesus Christ breathes the Holy Spirit into them to equip them to bless the world In Genesis 12, God calls Abraham and he says, I am blessing you to be a blessing to all nations. And now here is Jesus blessing his disciples with belief and with a message to send that they are called to go out into the world. Brothers and sisters, you and I are in a broken world. It doesn't take many newspapers to see all of the brokenness that is in our world today. Yesterday, I was checking the news, and one of the headlines, the very first headline, the top of the page, caught me. We all realize that we will not be forgiven. That was the headline. We all realize that we will not be forgiven. It had to do with the brokenness that is the war in Ukraine but it it named something even bigger than that. We all humans think that we will not be forgiven. We, We hear a message from the enemy saying, you are not worthy, you are not good enough. Jesus is dead, give up hope. The world is broken, we see wars and rumors of wars, we see injustice, we see people in poverty in our neighborhood and all around the world. We, it, it feels like the last two years have been 20 years of one broken thing after another after another. But Jesus Christ is breaking into that brokenness. He is reminding us that even in the most broken place in the world, even when it seemed absolutely impossible, that it looked like God had been defeated. Jesus defeated the grave instead. Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross. He was the Passover lamb, but he was the Passover lamb who did not stay dead. He rose again, and we see that beautiful image in Revelation, worthy is the lamb who was slain, who is worthy to receive glory and honor and power and majesty forever and ever. Brothers and sisters, as we look at the evidence that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, there was empty grave clothes. There was, oh, they, they were all of the appearances. The, the most dramatic change we see is the change of the disciples themselves. From absolute despair and brokenness to belief to blessing the entire world with their message. They, they went from absolutely no hope at all to the hope of the world who is Jesus Christ. That is our calling now as well. We see a broken world, and Jesus Christ is pouring out his Holy Spirit on us, that we may be filled with his power and his hope and his grace to share this message. Brothers and sisters, we are blessed to be a blessing to a broken world. May we go out in, in belief. As John concludes this chapter, he says, These are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. May God bless you and fill you with his life and his hope and his message to the world that Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.